0: Oh, I've been looking forward to catching up with this, bloke. We missed him last week. He was ably filled in for by one of the other Diego's who did a magnificent job, Warren. But it is Carlos Alberto that we say good afternoon to today. And it would have been a crime against this program had you not been here this week of all weeks, my friend.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, very happy man today. Uh, what the Doggies did. I want to thank the Doggies players, by the way. The, you know, what they've done to the cohort of... People who have grown up in Footscray and not ever believed we're going to do anything in their whole lifetime. And what we witnessed over the last three weeks, uh, let alone on the weekend, has been fantastic. So thank you, Doggies players what and it, Bevo too. What does
0: it mean to you? What are you feeling?
1: Well, I'm a bloke who grew up in Footscray. Uh, those people who know Footscray very well Victoria Street, Footscray I live there It's just a bit of a you know, drop kick away from the Western Oval So I spent a lot of time at the Western Oval mm. as a young kid Played Little League for them on a Saturday When the Little League was fair dinkum Big ground yep. We had the full kit on I was wearing Gary Merrington's jumper yep. Number 19 on the back And we'd go and play at all the VFL grounds I mean, we're talking about Morabin and stuff From it's one end to the other Same yep. teams yep. And I went five weeks without touching the ball but th- mm. Those grounds are so big uh, Seven minute halves, the whole thing I'd go and uh, play that on the Saturday, go and watch the recovery of the, of the football, Footscray Football Club with Laurie Sandlands, Gary Dempsey playing soccer on the Sunday at the Western Oval. Yep. Go yep. and watch that a bit. Join in here and there if they let's. And then Sunday afternoon, I'd go and play for Footscray JUST in the soccer. That was my weekend. Yeah, brilliant. Uh, in the 70s. Uh, so and the beautiful thing about Footscray JUSC in the so- J U S T in the soccer Shitler Reserve on Footscray Road there, which is now a transport company or whatever, yeah. uh, they wore red, white and blue too. So I got to wear red, white and blue uh, on the Saturday and red, white and blue on the Sunday. So it means a lot. But I didn't think we'd ever ever make a grand final. I just didn't. Why it, it, not?
0: Because you've seen them get to the second last stage many many times. As yeah, we I do, never had. To, I
1: never. It's a, it, I always hoped, even with the preliminary finals, the seven that they missed out mm. on in, you know, in the last 10 years it's or so, five, yep. uh, they, um, you know, I never really believed they could do it. Uh, we, uh, we had good individuals. I didn't think we had the, the game plan that could ever do it, and we mm. never did. Mm. Uh, but I put them in the same category as the Socceroos back in 2005. Uh, the last time I felt like I did on Saturday night watching that, those last couple of minutes, where it was really heart attack stuff, my wife was crying next to me too. The whole thing. Uh, it was in 2005 at Homebush Stadium when uh, the boys stood up for the penalty shootout against Uruguay mm-hmm. and the Socceroos, and Viduka had missed, so it wasn't going to be easy. And uh, again, heart, heart attack city for me. My wife was crying next to me at Homebush too. So um, you just, I suppose, you grow up, and a lot of you know, Hawthorn supporters out there, Geelong supporters, won't understand this. You grow up hoping rather than knowing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yep. Uh, yep. and what happened on the weekend, really, really for me, what happened against Hawthorne after the West Coast game, when we beat them, I knew that this club will never be the same again. I just knew then we'd arrived as a team that expects to win yep. and that we can expect our team to win. And we showed it again on the weekend. And uh, for me, the Western Bulldogs, Socceroos, I've seen it in my lifetime now. They've made the soccer making the World Cup. If they can win one, well, who knows? But it's, uh, uh, for me, it's the same thing.
0: You know, there's, um, I think that magic happens occasionally in sporting teams. And I don't know whether it's happening with the soccer. I'd like to think it is a little bit, you know, with what that team's achieved over the last couple of years under Ange. But you get the right group of players and the right coach. And together, you can't quite put your finger on it. You see it. And they start turning hope into belief, and then that all becomes reality. Um, and you know that you're watching something pretty special, and you try and work out what it is. <laughs> you know, we've got all this data, we should be able to work it out. But for all of the searching for an answer, the the absolute kind of is impossible to put your finger on. And it feels a bit like that with the Western Bulldogs. I tipped you last week, mm. not necessarily with any degree of confidence, but with I just thought there's something about, I can't tell you why I'm tipping them, but I am, and I'm yeah, going to tip you again on Saturday. I can't. Yeah. I, I think Sydney. or you know, blah blah. But
1: I just I just feel like everything is right. Yeah, the parallels between the doggies and the Socceroos because they're the things. They're the yep. two most important football or sporting entities in my life. Yep, the ones I care about the most. And uh, for me, it starts from the manager, the coach, and uh, even though. Uh, You know, Bevo's not the same as Ange Postacoglu. Ange sees himself as a bloke who needs to get the message out there. He needs to just tell the world to believe us. And he's Mm. very out there, very public about that. Uh, Bevo, just through his actions, uh, probably does that. Uh, But I think it starts from there. And they've got their own manner of doing it, but they certainly have built a a belief in their teams. And, you know, the Socceroos now... They really believe that they can go and play anyone in the world in a fair competition or a friendly, whatever, World Cup, uh, Confederations Cup, and they expect to win or do enough or have a game plan that can, that can win. It mm. doesn't matter who they're playing. Yeah, I agree. And yeah. I feel that with the Western Bulldogs. So I'm very lucky to have both those uh, teams in my life at the moment. I'm really enjoying it.
0: What a powerful force it is when the players buy in like that. Mm. You need to have the right amount of ability to be able to beat the good sides that you come up against. But that belief in what the coach is putting in front of you, and the confidence that he's attempting to instill, the minute you believe that, um, wow, that can turn that can turn anything. And it, into it, it's
1: reality. amazing how, it's, how the momentum builds. I mean, we look at the Socceroos seventy four previous to two thousand and five seventy four was the last time they made the World Cup, mm. and that was a long road, a very unique situation, and they hadn't made a World Cup before that either. Yep. And so they made it in 2005, 32 years later, sorry, 2006, 32 years later. Uh, you know, the, the, The the glorious failures that came along the way, 85 against Scotland, uh, where we were 2-0 down after Hampton Park, played Olympic Park, nil or draw, we should have won the game. Mm. Jim Leighton, their goalkeeper, had the best game of his life. And Frank Arok to this day will say that they should have actually got through that World Cup Mm. in 86 Mm. uh, in Mexico. Uh, The 1997, I mean, if you were at 1997, uh, World Cup qualify against uh, Iran at Mm. MCG, uh, it, it was heartbreaking, but when you experience that, you don't actually think you'll ever, ever get over the line. You just don't. You yeah. just when, when it doesn't happen, you, know, you can have those moments. You can be a successful team, and have those moments, but you know next time you'll be. But when they, they, that doesn't, you know that doesn't happen, and you're used to it not happening. Yeah, you just don't think it's ever going to happen. Here we go. Again. And you never really yeah. believe it, and so. Yeah. I think up until recently, I probably felt the same way about Western Bulldogs, yeah, too. But yep. the psychology and the momentum and changing that culture, it might be just one game or one moment that changes the game. And suddenly the culture of that organisation changes. Absolutely. And, uh, and that's why I think we're seen with the Socceroos. Now, Socceroos expect to make the World Cup every time now. Mm. They've got a coach now who thinks he's going to win the World Cup. Mm. I mean, that's changing the culture. Mm. And, uh, and once you've got there, you don't go backwards. Western Bulldogs will never be... Uh, they 'll never be the same again after what these guys have done
0: oh, mate. Yeah, i don 't think i don 't think if you speak to um, Dale Morris, Luke Dalhouse Marcus Bond and Pally, um, you know pick there 's seven or eight guys at the western border you 'd probably name any of them yep. really do you expect to win on Saturday? Mm. Their, their answer is, yeah, well, I think we'll win. Yeah. You know, I think we'll win. Yeah. They're, not, they're not, it's not hopeful anymore. They no. don't think they're going to win the game. Yeah. So, um, hey, before we get to the relegation promotion stuff, and Brad and John, I know you've been hanging on for a moment. Chris is in um, Brunswick West and has been listening to the conversation about the parallels between the Bulldogs and the Socceroos and has jumped on the line to have a chat about that before we change. Tack, uh, good afternoon to you, Chris.
2: Hey, Andrew, and hey, Carlos, how are we?
1: Really good, mate
2: i just got a quick one. Um, Carlos, I'm going to give you a bit of a... I'm going to give you a rap and a bit of a slap.
1: First <laughs> okay. of all, the rap. Yep. The
2: rap is that... Uh, uh, interesting to hear so you say you wore Gary Merrington's number because he's my wife's uncle and uh, should be hear here. Someone actually mentioned him and acknowledged his footy career on the radio. And the other one is, the slap is this. Um, you you almost laughed me off the radio about 18 months ago when I said Ange Postacoglu should be aiming to be a top 20-ranked um, country in the world with the Socceroos. Now, hearing hearing, and Anne, I totally sympathise with you. Hearing your background, growing up with the Bulldogs, and and hoping not expecting, I get, it puts it all into context now. But um, I, I just think I just think that both teams, as you uh, explained before, uh, should go into every tournament thinking they're going to win it from now on.
1: Yeah, Chris, I look, mate, I, that surprises me because I was being slapped by people saying that Ange Postacoglu, with this Socceroo team, mm. this Socceroo team, be the best we've ever had. Uh, by the end of their careers, I mean, 10 years' time, 15 years, by the end of this cycle, this soccer route team under Ange will be the best we've ever had. And I've been slapped about, I mean, I, did, I was talking about that before the last World Cup, and I was being slapped left, right, and centre. So I'm surprised that I may have said that, Chris. I don't know. I can't remember the conversation, but I certainly didn't mean it hmm. because uh, I've been advocating for Ange and, and the team for a long, long time. Long before people gave me any credit for it.
0: Oh, mate, in the nine yeah. months that we've been sitting here doing this hour together, uh, you've been unwavering in that, and I suspect that was a long established um, policy position that you've <laughs> taken regarding Postacoglu and the Socceroos. So, uh, Chris, it may be, we're yep. not doubting your memory. It might have just been a moment of crayon, might have been having a bad <laughs> day, knows. who knows? Hey, let's get on to relegation promotion. I know you've got a lot to say about this, but um, Brad and John have been hanging on for a while. So so let's let them maybe set a bit of an agenda and see whether you agree or disagree with the position they're taking regarding this. It's certainly been um, a conversation that's been taking place in mainstream media for a little while now. I know guys like Mick Lynch have been writing about it. He wrote another story about it about a week and a half ago in the Fairfax Press, certainly advocating for it. Brad's in Craigieburn. Um, Are we ready for it in this country yet, Brad?
1: How's it
2: going, boys? Um, First thing I want to mention um, is um,
0: about an hour ago,
2: we were talking about a VFL club who who had gone bust and um, financially struggling against the big boys. Um, So I wanted to bring that into context in that, I mean, it's all good to have this dream, but at some point, you know, I think the financials will really affect some of these smaller clubs if there is a relegation and a promotion. I mean... Good on them, you know. If, if a team can come from you know two or three levels back and make it, great, great for them. But it's just the only thing that concerns me is the money, and you don't want to see grassroots clubs go bust um, chasing a dream. I know, I know that sounds silly, but you don't want to see clubs go bust over over, over it.
1: Oh, I think it's a really valid. I think it's a really valid concern, and that's the reason why we haven't got it yet. I think the FFA, you know, they know that this is on the agenda. There's a, there's powerful people in media and uh, also uh, you know with NPL clubs, there's still a lot of people with a lot of power and influence at that level mm. who have uh, been saying that they want this, and there's a real push for it now. With the success of the FFA Cup and some of the NPL clubs making it to semi-finals and you know and you know the knockout stages, that we're in at the moment. Um, you know, there's a lot of big push, and also the M- NPL uh, national sort of playoffs are happening right now. Mm. So a lot of people are pushing for it, but the FFA have, have really not taken a lot of notice. And they'll tell you that we're just not ready, you know, from a commercial sense. John, thanks for your call, Brad. John's in Mooney Ponds. Um, what do you think of it, John? Good, mate. Carlos, just on,
3: uh, so I just want to touch up on what you said about the, the allergy, uh, the um, analogy, sorry, about uh, the Socceroos and, 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 um, it's great, that's yeah, spot on. Um and as a soccer fan I think uh, Bulldogs getting to the grand final is good for the um for the AFL game because it's, you know, with well, all the handouts that the new interstate clubs get. Um, I think it's good for the uh purest of AFL. Anyway, yeah on to the um round ball. Yep. Um, look, I've played the game at grassroots level, I've I've played here for twenty thirty years. Uh, look, I uh, you know, I, I love the whole concept of the A League, how inclusive all the clubs are and I'm not sure whether we we're ready and if we were to be ready, I don't know whether do you make or you form new clubs or do you give NPL clubs you know, another go Because at the end of the day I know things are changing but where do they get that support from? You know, would 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 Melbourne Knights still be Croatia backed and the, conf- the 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 conflicts that would maybe cause later down the track so I think I don't know in a nutshell I think we still need to possibly maybe grow up a bit
1: yeah, uh, yeah, a lot of it, yeah. yeah, yeah John the the idea of creating new clubs for a second division I think you'd lose all the goodwill and anything you've got by way of benefit and connecting with the grassroots from the FFA Cup uh, concept, you'd lose it out mm. I- overnight if you did that. The whole idea of this talk happening is the opportunity for these clubs who are trying to reinvent themselves—the South Melbournes of this world, mm. the Green Gullies of this world, Bentley Greens who were—they were. I mean, with, with the old N.S.L. Bentley Greens would have been in the amateur leagues. You know, yeah, that's right. that's how far back they were. You know, probably they might have been second division or first division. They they actually were a club that sort of grown out. Yeah, it was Croatian, uh, Sorry, a Greek community, but they were a club that sort of worked their way up uh, out of nowhere, really. Mm-hmm. And they've just a really well-won club. But it gives them a chance to, to you know, be on a national stage in the second division and a dream one day maybe to get into the A-League. Uh, but you don't want to throw all that goodwill out the window by creating new clubs. Uh, like you did with, um, with the A-League. With the A-League, yeah. Yeah, that, uh, that's uh, really the wrong way to go.
0: There's a heap of people want to join in this conversation. We'll get a break out of the way. We're talking the World Game with Carlos Alberto, Diego, Mick Damien and Milko. Get to you on the other side of the break. Um, Drewy in Greensboro, if you're listening, um, we spoke to Dave Sampson, the president of the Miami Marlins, about the tragic loss of Jose Fernandez today. They beat the Mets at Marlins Park 7-3 today. Unbelievable scenes. Unbelievable scenes. The raw emotion that took place uh, there today, I'm sure you'll see it throughout the afternoon and into the evening. It's going to be very easy to find in case you've missed it. We've um, put a link out to the chat we had with Dave Sampson uh, via our social media, Facebook, all of those sorts of things, Twitter. So if you want to find it, um, it's going to be pretty easy for you to find. And if you did miss Dave Sampson, Drewy and anyone else, I thoroughly uh, encourage you to have a listen. The uh, raw emotion... Uh, And the challenges presented to that man and his club this week, um, I'm sure most of us will never, ever understand, appreciate or experience. And it was great to have a couple of minutes with him today in very, very difficult circumstances. Michael, Damien and Milko, very keen to get your thoughts, but you brought this to the table, Carlos, and you haven't actually told me what you think yet about the likelihood of this happening, how ready we are for you know, a promotion relegation system in Australia?
1: Yeah, I'd like to, you know, I'm a romantic with these sort of things. I, I You know, I love, uh, I love what I see overseas. You grow up with the English football, promotion relegation, all the drama at the end of the year and, you know, all the joy, you know, if you go up and uh, or if you survive relegation, all the, you know, it's all the heartache. The greatest, if you, you know, yeah. you know, I've seen all that and I, and I love it. And I think when our market is ready for that, uh, from a commercial sense, no problem, and it will happen. It, this will happen in some time, but it won't happen in the near future. And I don't believe it should happen until uh, you speak to the club owners. We're doing a football bosses series on the Diego's at the moment. We're speaking all the heads of the clubs and only now are they starting to with the, you know, with the, uh, you know, the new TV rights deal, you know, in the horizon. And, uh, you, know, the, you know, there's talk that there's talk of double the money, yep, but yep, who knows yep. what they're going to get, but there's going to be a lot more money in the game. Uh, They're only hoping just to break even with that money. So for us to be talking about another league uh, promotion and relegation after the investment these owners have made, uh, and uh, I I think we're just not ready for that at the moment. Uh, And also, we've we've got to really broach once we get the you know financial aspect of it Mm -hmm. right in the A League with the existing clubs. We've got to look at expansion. We haven't got our clubs. We haven't got clubs in the right places in Australia that can take advantage of. Of the huge numbers of of kids and people involved in the game all around the place, we've got to get that right. And uh, once that's right, and that's going to take a few years at least. Once that's right, then we can start talking about a second division. So, right now, it, let's say let's
0: say it was forced on the game, right? Let's let's say the FFA said, right, we're doing it in two thousand eighteen. We're going to. Yep. We're, we're, who are the next two? Who are the two teams in Melbourne? that will be, and you know, the same same breakdown of teams that we see in the A-League now, the same model in terms of teams out of where around Australia. Who are the next two teams in Melbourne slash Victoria who would be the teams in the in the first division? So and two it, new teams. Two new mean, yeah. te- who are they? Who okay. are the two, two there, clubs that come There's
1: in? talk, and I've spoken to someone who was heavily involved in the initial setting up a Melbourne victory. Mm. Uh, there's talk of, and this is, maybe 18 months ago, talk of maybe someone putting their hand up from the Knox region. Yep. Uh, oh, so we're, you're talking about making up a new club? Yeah. You're not talking p- about an established club no, like a Green Gully or see, a Heidelberg yeah, or I don't, that, I don't that. see that happening. Okay, right uh, Unless something significant changes with those clubs. it have to be a new club. And it's interesting, I had, uh, you know, if I mention the guys' names, and I won't, because I've told them that I wouldn't mention mm-hmm. their names. But if I told you the people's names who have this, these opinions, uh, opposing opinions about Geelong, you'd think, my God, you, you sort of listen to these guys. But one saying, there is no chance at all. These people have been involved in the game at a high, high level for a long time from the Geelong region. Yep, they, they've actually grown up in the Geelong group. Both of them together, actually quite good mates. And one of them has said to me, "There is no chance on earth." that you can have an A-League club in Geelong. Just no chance. The infrastructure's not there. It uh, doesn't matter if there's a Geelong football club. You know, in the AFL, it's thriving. It just will not happen. And this guy knows his stuff. Mm. On the other hand, his other mate who grew up in the area, just as high profile, uh, you know, if, if I told you the guy's name, you'd automatic respect. Mm. Uh, and he says, of course we can have one. Of course we can have it. You know, basically, you know, if an opportunity, we can get a team in, in Geelong. It'll work. So that's the opposing views yeah, right. from yeah, two yeah. people yep. who are really highly regarded or both come from Geelong and they're both uh, sort of uh, with these diverse opinions so um, I, I would think Geelong and the Knox area if you had two uh, if you had one I'll, I'll have to look at the research and the evidence and yeah, the data yeah, yeah, about yeah, yeah. which one is, would be the best but they're two areas of Melbourne in particular that okay. you'd look at. Michael's in sunshine
0: at um, 11 minutes to 3 uh, what do you think of the concept mate?
2: Love the topic boys. Uh, Carlos you've been around as long as I have brother and for as long as we don't fix up the state leagues, the way the state federations are run, the game's going to have a massive gap between the uh, state competitions and the national competition. You know that as well as I do, brother. We're going to have all the new teams uh, coming up as, uh, as we like. The South Melbourne, the Melbourne Croatians, whatever you call Melbourne Knights, these clubs need to be given opportunity. All other clubs like Green Gully and so on to meet the standards Uh, pushing aside the ethnic badges because all they did was they had an opportunity to promote their culture, their background through the game of football. They failed miserably. They brought violence and stupidity into the games. That's out of the question. But the clubs themselves and the history must not be disrespected. And I think they should be good opportunity and opportunity to be relegated, promoted according to European leagues.
1: Michael, you know, when you talk about uh, the setup of the state federations and the state leagues and stuff like that, I don't remember time, even when I was five years old, that it was any better. Like, I mean, I don't think they're ever going to be credited with running the game properly, the State Federation. It's like Football Victoria yeah, and the yeah, AFL. Yeah, yeah. They just... They don't have necessarily the most high-profile administrators running it. Uh, they're always a target for people who are operating at that level. They should be playing, doing it at a, lot, a lot, lot higher level. Um, the... Uh, fixing, fixing that... You know, I, I have a really... I've been watching a lot of NPL in the last two years. Uh, Every week I'll go and watch an NPL game. Mm. And I think the issue is not necessarily the money. The amount of money that could be raised and there's benefactors out there, people who want to sponsor who aren't sponsoring A-League at the moment, I think you'd actually get the money to to actually have a fully professional not at the same level we're not talking about 10 million dollar turnovers and stuff (laughs) might have two or three million dollar turnovers at the next level down you know a decent living for professional footballers at the at the the second level Mm. um so money i don't think is going to be an issue uh like i said there's wealthy benefactors out there willing to invest but the problem i think we've got is the The knowledge, expertise, and the professionalism of people running the game at that level. Do we have enough of those people? Mm -hmm. Having gone to, I mean, I'm talking about administrators. Mm. Uh, It's very different running um, a state league home game uh, with, you know, 15 volunteers. And, you know, you might be lucky to have one full-time guy there. It's very different running that to running an A-league club. I was at Melbourne City the other day, just, you know, uh, checking the place out. And... You know, you walk into their offices now, that's a fully blown... I mean, there's has got 150 people working in that, in that whole office yep. area. and that's
0: the challenge on yeah, that, it, it. it. It's a
1: knowledge and expertise of how to run professional football clubs, and not just professional sport. You're getting people from no, cricket no. or AFL. I'm talking about professional football clubs. Mm. Um, we don't have enough of those at the next level down, and where are we going to get them? No, that's the gap that's mm. got to be closed before you even think about it, I reckon.